Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio tonight. Jeff, DW, Todd. We have a special guest in studio with us tonight. I'll introduce him in a moment. But of course, you guys are our special guests as well. Get in on the conversation tonight. The conversation that saves lives, that is. You can email us anytime on the show or the podcast at hope at hopenet360.com or on Facebook and Twitter at hopenet360. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation tonight. And uh, I'm excited. This is going into our seventh month here on the show. And of course, if you've missed any other podcasts or you want to go back and listen, you can subscribe on iTunes under HopeNet Radio or just visit our website, hopenet360.com is where it's all at. Of course, check out our Tumblr community at csl.hopenet360.com. All right, so enough commercials. DW, Todd, it's fun to be with you guys. I I enjoy this time with you guys every night. Yeah, I enjoy to be here very much as well. It's great to be with you, Jeff, too, and our radio audience. Good to have you with us tonight. Hey, we have somebody special in the studio with us. I want to introduce our special guest tonight, Dan Harrod from Youth Alive here in Wisconsin, northern Michigan. And uh, Dan, it's a pleasure having you on the show tonight. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Welcome to the studio, Dan. Dan, I'd love to hear a little bit of who you are. Introduce yourself a little bit. I'm a happily married man. I have an incredible wife of 11 years. Her name is Marlena. And we have uh, a unique love story. We met at college, and I initially wasn't attracted to her. She didn't think I was anything to look look at. In fact, some people say I probably have a face for radio. But she and I developed this pretty amazing friendship for about nine months. And uh, after nine months, um, we realized that we more than liked each other. The rest is kind of history. We've been best friends for nearly uh, 13 years, been married for 11. And I really couldn't be happier with uh, the woman that God has trusted me with and excited uh, to call her my bride, my partner in crime. We have three amazing kids, uh, Logan, Peyton, and Camden, and uh, that's one boy and two ladies. I already don't like uh, the first boyfriend of whoever shows up to to date my my daughter. I just uh, have my action plan in place. I'm going to have a gun mounted on the wall. (laughs) I'm going to have a shovel in clear sight and a deed for land in the Northwoods. There you go. And any gentleman that's not wise enough to interpret those signals, probably should not be dating my daughter. And so I'm going to uh, shake his hand and pull him close and whisper into his ear that I don't mind going to prison. So <laughs> if he's if he's uh, not brilliant enough to catch those signals, then he's not fit to date any daughter of mine. So with that said, um, love uh, nice. my family, absolutely thankful for them. <laughs> I know you're being, I know you're being facetious, but at the same time, yeah, 
tell us a little bit about growing up for you. What was your faith journey like? What was life like growing up for you? Your family, talk about your family growing up. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in a broken home. My uh, mom and dad um, called it quits when I was two. And so my brother and I, who was older, um, grew up with the reality of uh, divorce. And I understand the pain that divorce inflicts on those around. I mean, there's so much collateral damage Mm -hmm. that happens when a mom and a dad call it quits. And so both Marlena and I have experienced that effect of divorce in our lives and that's kind of redoubled our efforts to make our marriage work forever and work through anything and everything that comes our way. My father and mother are, are both deaf. And so when they divorced, my brother and I were given to my dad because my mom actually had some pretty severe, uh, she was uh, schizophrenic and bipolar. And so when it was her time to prove to the, the judge that she could handle being a single parent, it just didn't go well. And so the courts actually awarded full custody to my father, who, as I've just mentioned, is deaf. And having a deaf dad was a blessing and a curse. It was a struggle because if he wasn't looking at you, he didn't know you were talking to him. But the amount of trouble that you could create uh, in the house was astronomical because he didn't know (laughs) what you were doing unless he could see you doing it. So I took full advantage of that, and uh, Jesus, I repent right now. So with that said, this reality of having deaf parents really shaped um, who I am as a person. And um, looking back, you don't love the struggles that you walk through, Mm -hmm. but you see how God uses them in real and profound ways. And I see how he's redeemed even the, the difficult parts of my childhood growing up having a deaf dad. So do you still have a relationship with your mom and dad even to this day? I have a great relationship with my dad, and uh, we text regularly and uh, see each other multiple times a year, and he's a great granddad to my uh, my kids. Uh, my mom, I actually haven't had any connection with her since 1995, and uh, wow. yeah, there are several reasons. It's, uh, it's complicated at best. Yeah. So... To answer your question, no, I haven't connected with her in quite a while. You're a part of a ministry in that area? It's actually all across Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Oh, okay. That's where I'm from, the Upper Peninsula. Very cool. What's the weather like up there today? Um, Cold, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my question was, so um, what um, are you involved with in that ministry, and how did you get involved with it? My journey in ministry has been ongoing. I've been in full-time youth ministry for over 10 years. This May will mark my 11th year in full-time student ministry. My wife and I were privileged to serve in two great communities, starting in Wisconsin, and we started off in Plainfield and served as youth ministers there, and then we went to a great town called Mayville, and both in Wisconsin, and served happily in two great churches. When the opportunity to serve in Youth Alive came up, Both my wife and I knew that this was a door that God had opened for us. And the scope of Youth Alive is overwhelming to me because we focus on 6th through 12th grade students. And in Wisconsin and northern Michigan, there are a half million of Mm. them. And 
that's just in the public school systems. That's not accounting homeschoolers. That's not taking into account any private schools. Just in the public school systems, grades 6 through 12, there are a half million souls right now in my region. And that's awesome. It's profound. And it's, to be quite honest, it's mm-hmm. overwhelming. Uh, yeah. The goal of Youth Alive, what would you say is your, your primary mission? Uh, to act as a bridge between two very critical entities in every community in Wisconsin and northern Michigan. And those two entities are the public school system because that is the legally mandated route for children in the United States. And some parents have the legal prerogative to homeschool their children, which is completely okay. Uh, But the majority of students in America go through the public school system. And with so many, a half million, just in Wisconsin and northern Michigan, it is critical that we go to where the students are at. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that the public schools are a primary focus for us, we also focus on working with the local church. And unfortunately, there has been some history in other parts of the country where the church and public schools don't play well together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a public school will make a... um, a curriculum decision, whether it be creation versus evolution or a curriculum decision on sexuality. And some churches have responded to that uh, in more of a reactionary way. They've said, well, fine, if you're not going to do what we want you to do, we are going to take our ball and we're going to go home. And here's the problem with that approach. As much as I believe we must never compromise our principles, we must also never forget what we're doing here on earth. We are called to bring hope to people. This isn't a negotiable. This is uh, it's a mandatory um, commission that we have. And so we exist to try and get churches to see their school as an ally and public schools to see the church as an ally. And when both work together, lives are changed uh, forever. And understanding that public schools operate in the temporal sense, they operate in the educational paradigm. Mm-hmm. And there are Thousands of incredible men and women that have given their lives to be better teachers. And I thank God for great men and women who teach. And in the same vein, there are thousands of incredible men and women that have given their lives to serve God in a church-based context. And so I hope, as the director of Youth Alive in Wisconsin and Northern Michigan, to continue to build bridges all across our network so that the student which is at the center of this whole discussion. The student is the most important part of this, gets the help and the hope that they need right now. Mm -hmm. Email us anytime on the show at hope at hopenet360.com. Connect on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you need to chat right now, there's a live coach standing by at hopenet360.com to chat with you. Dan, I I love Youth Alive. Uh, We've had a good relationship the last, well, you've been here three years, and so that's about as long as I've known you, but it seems like I've just... We grew up together. I don't know. We're going to take a break here on the show. We'll be back with more with Dan here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're glad that you've joined us tonight. 
Get connected with us on our conversation. We have a question for Dan, our special guest, Dan Herod from Youth Alive. Email us anytime, hope at hopenet360.com or connect on Facebook and Twitter at hopenet360. And uh, Jeff, DW, Todd in studio with you tonight. We're glad that you guys are here with us. And uh, Dan, again, it's just it's an honor to have you on the show. I love what you guys do with Youth Alive. And so before we went to break, we were kind of talking about your passion to build bridges mm-hmm. you know, between the local schools and their church communities uh, because we know there's a disconnect. And Todd, you had a you had a pretty good story about your life growing up a little bit there with that. Yeah, I um my dad was a pastor and he was a youth pastor for 18 years and he had tried to um, collaborate with one of the public schools in the area and just get it so we could have people from the church that weren't necessarily involved with the school. Um, to be able to use some of its resources, like labs and sports and things of that nature and stuff. And they were finally willing to do it and getting excited about it. And um, then some of the people that were involved just said, why would we want to be involved with any kind of organization that promoted evolution? The schools ended up being really offended and just... Mm -hmm. So my question is, what is it that you do to try and build these bridges between uh, the community, churches, and and schools? Um, A lot of what we do is uh, just rooted in a heart that uh, developed in me 10 years ago when I started in both communities where I served as youth pastor. I was able to give back to the local schools as a percussion coach for the band. What that meant was Playing cowbell? Absolutely. And I rocked it, Jeff. Booyah. I literally, (laughs) I put my back into it. Nice. And so what would happen is once or twice a week before concert time, I would be able to be in the schools serving as a percussion coach. And I didn't preach. I didn't bring my Bible in with me. I didn't uh, subliminally drop in scriptures or drop tracks as I walked through the halls. What I did was I gave. And I think sometimes in the church we're so focused on what we can get that we forget that it's about giving. It's all about giving. Mm -hmm. And so in Plainfield and in Mayville, that heart that began to develop in me, I was asking the question, what can I give back to the schools? And you you inventory your gift set and your your talent trove, and, and you ask the question, what do I have that can add value? And so for me, it was being a percussion coach. And so since I've made the transition to Youth Alive, I'm still asking the question, what can the church give to the local schools that is going to make a difference? There's a, a church down in Janesville, Wisconsin, a New Life Assembly of God, Pastor Mike Jackson, has spearheaded this initiative that is community-wide. Multiple denominations have come together as a faith community across the city, and they've adopted schools all across Janesville. Mm -hmm. And every single public school in that school system, except for two, last I heard, were adopted by a local church. And what Mm -hmm. that means is the churches are there ready, giving Backpacks, school supplies, they're providing gifts for teachers in the appropriate season. There was a recent uh, story that Pastor Mike shared with me where a family suffered a tragedy. I believe it was a something along the lines of a house fire. Mm-hmm. And the first phone call that the principal made of this family in that school was to the church. Mm-hmm. 
And the church was able to shower that family with critical needs in the moment, and it was real time. Yeah, It was now. It wasn't, uh, we'll pray about it. Mm-hmm. And so what that means for me is that I am pushing with both hands on every single church that claims to uh, want to reach out and that has said that evangelism is important to them to prove it mm-hmm. and to look at what you have and to give freely with no expectation of return. Let's focus on what we can give. And so as I am excited about this, one way that Youth Alive is able to help churches give back is through our school assembly program. What we do during the day is a purely motivational, non-religious, and I repeat, non-religious school assembly program that lasts 50 to 60 minutes. And we've got several professional, talented communicators that can come in and help a principal say what they've been saying all along, but in a school assembly format, for some reason, they're so effective because an outside voice comes in. They say what the principal and the teachers have been saying for years, but because it's a fresh voice, the kids are like, wow, what a concept. And the principals just kind of nod in their heads and say, we've been telling you that, but because the speaker came in, um, you're now believing that, even though we've been telling you that for five years now. Right. So, and if you've been in high school for five years, we've got other issues, I suppose. <laughs> With that said, school assemblies are a cornerstone of our strategy to help churches and schools build that bridge together so that students can benefit. Mm-hmm. The idea of working to make somebody else successful is, is exactly what the Christian life is about. And as we do that, as we're concerned with others, we will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them when the time comes. Uh, this is pretty exciting stuff. You know, Dan, I think that's a it's a very important thing. Um, I like how you said communicators uh, because I've actually had the privilege of being at a couple of school assemblies that you've done and uh, and then like after school assemblies that you guys do. And not all of your communicators are just speakers, right? Yeah, we've got several very talented communicators in fact, uh, just recently, we were with a gentleman named Jason Maupin, who served the Marinette School District and Peshtigo and Coleman, and we were able to bring a motivational school assembly, and in that one, he brought a live music video team, a group of college-age students who do a performance dance in front of the students that underscores mm-hmm. what he is saying, and that really helps Jason's presentation go to another level, because for some students, if they can see it, they can understand it. Yeah. And that makes Jason's program incredibly excellent. Not only is his message powerful, but that incorporation of a live dramatic presentation is good. Another communicator that we get to work with is Eric Samuel Tim. He is a Wisconsin native who incorporates live art in his school assembly program. So imagine you're sitting in a school assembly and there's a canvas and an easel up there and What happens invariably in almost every school assembly is that the students walk in to the gym or the auditorium, they see the painter supplies up there, and they have decided that this is the stupidest thing that they have ever seen, even though it hasn't begun. But Eric Samuel Tim is introduced. The music begins to pump through our sound system. He begins to paint, and the picture comes alive on the canvas. And once the students realize that this man has talent, they want to listen to what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And what he has to say is quite powerful. A third program that we offer is called the Alive Assembly. And that's where we use dynamic communicators. And we 
show professionally produced videos. And what makes that program unique is the fact that a school district can pick the very topic that they want us to reinforce. And so between those three programs, every school district has an incredible set of options Mm -hmm. that they can pick to bring us in and to have a safe program. All of our communicators are top shelf, and they're going to be a safe choice for administrators. And there is not a syllable of any religious content in any of our school assembly programs. There are very good values that you get from them, and I've I've seen them firsthand. And Eric Samuel Tim, you know, I think is probably one of the more profound speakers that I've seen, just because of the live and it's interactive. You know, there's a lot of interaction that goes on. So maybe you're a teacher or an administrator and you're interested in learning more about it. You can visit Dan's website. We have links posted at HopeNet360.com. Just click on the Radio and Topics tab and check out our post tonight, and you'll find the links there to get in touch with Dan and, and his ministry with Youth Alive and what they do with the, the Alive Assemblies and the school assemblies. Uh, we would love to see Dan around in so many different schools around the area. And again, it's, it is a really great option for those administrators that are looking for something that has value to it. Definitely, but also communicates in a way that relates to teens and uh, and even to teachers. You know, there are teachers that walk away from this just thinking, "Wow, that was that was powerful." Absolutely, you know. And it, it doesn't have to be overly religious at all. It just has to be something that engages people and it mm-hmm. has a message that's clearly communicated. That's it's encouraging, it's uplifting, and and uh, I think you guys do that really well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we are going to take a break here on the show. And uh, would love to hear from you guys as well. Email us at hope at hopenet360.com. More with Dan and his story when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, D.W. Todd in studio with you guys tonight. Glad that you've joined us on the show. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to HopeNet360.com after we're done here and listen to the podcast. If you are listening on the podcast, you can connect with us anytime during the week at Hope at HopeNet360.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at HopeNet360. Also our Tumblr page. Visit csl.hopenet360.com there. You can you can share your story. You can share a struggle, something that's going on in your life. You can ask us a question, even ask anonymously. And we would love to hear from you tonight and talk about things that matter to you. We talk about things that matter to teens, young adults, and naturally parents will get involved on this as well. And it's not a lame thing. You know, we really do believe that conversations save lives. And if there's anything that we can do for you guys and your family tonight, it's opening up the door to talk about things that may be difficult, that you may not know how to ask the question on. So hopefully something we say tonight will open up the chance to have dialogue in your family. And again, the place where conversations save lives really happens at home a lot of times. And so any way we can help with that, that's what we're trying to do on this show. So glad you've joined us tonight. Uh, Dan Herod is sitting in with, in studio with us tonight. He is the director of Youth Alive in Wisconsin and Northern Michigan. And uh, we've been talking a lot about some of the things that Youth Alive does, school assemblies, Alive assemblies, uh, different things that build bridges in our local communities between the public school systems, the local church, how to work together and uh, and not compromise the goals that each has. You know, Obviously, they're going to be a little bit different in their goals and, and how they approach things. But there are ways that the church and schools can work together. So we're excited. I, I love Dan. I love Youth Alive and what they do. And uh, Dan, again, we're just we're glad that you've taken some time to sit down with us tonight. I'm happy to be here, Jeff. 
So you were in youth ministry for a while. You said you served in two different communities. Uh, you transitioned to Youth Alive. So for those who don't know necessarily how ministry life works, in some way it's part of it is looked at as a job in some way where you know, you're know you paid on staff at a church. And there are youth ministers that are blessed enough to be able to have a youth pastor on staff. There are a lot of churches that volunteer or have volunteer youth workers. And I think those guys are the, some of the greatest heroes of our day uh, because you guys are so, in a lot of ways, they're Youth pastors, youth workers in general are really uh, definitely underappreciated in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, so definitely what you guys do with Youth Alive, I think, is fantastic in how you bridge those two together, give value to youth ministers, give value in local communities. You know, I would love to hear how you decided to go into ministry and some of your observations of what you're seeing within ministry today. Uh, Obviously, there's something that you would like to see corrected and you're working towards that. So uh, help us understand that. Um, for the longest time, I uh, have always loved working with students. Um, when I initially went to college, I, I actually went to be a, a pastor for deaf people. That's what I initially felt I was led to do. And uh, over time, it became abundantly clear to me that a better fit for me was actually serving students. Mm. And so two years into my journey at North Central University, I, uh, I switched majors and began to focus on students. And so now, for coming up on our 11th year uh, this May uh, in student ministry, we've noticed uh, quite a shift in youth culture. Some experts have said that about every three years, we're seeing rapid transformation now, and the advent of technology has only... Um, increased the intensity and the speed mm-hmm. of these changes that are happening in youth culture today. You know, I'd be interested to hear how you knew that you were supposed to do this. I mean, how how did you get called, uh, do you feel or do you think, um, into this particular service? Well, I, You had to be concerned about how you're going to take care of your family and uh, just stepping out in faith like that. I, um, help us understand that. I believe... I had a, a call to pastoral ministry from early on, even when I was younger. I fought that tooth and nail because I really wanted to join the military mm. and fly the Apache attack helicopter. Dude, that would have been sweet. I would, I, after I saw the movie Firebirds with Tommy Lee Jones and Nicolas Cage, I was convinced that I wanted to um, fly that helicopter. <laughs> And even as I was at North Central University, I struggled to stay focused on a ministry calling. And I need to clarify, we're all called to ministry. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us, if if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to ministry. It's the priesthood of believers that uh, underscores that reality for me. Now, what you're called to do, that's where Mm -hmm. uh, things get different for each and every one of us. And so... Uh, making that transition into student ministry was hard for me because I really felt like I was betraying my my deaf culture that I grew up in. Mm. Uh, because there's a dynamic need for men and women to serve in deaf ministry, it's a tremendously unreached people group in the United States. But I kind of tripped into student ministries. Um, there's a student at my deaf church growing up. When I was in college, he was a teenager. He made a decision to follow Christ. And when he did that, he uh, needed a youth ministry. Now, at a deaf church, you're probably the only one in the student ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not a church of 100 or 150. On a great Sunday, there was a church of 50. Mm-hmm. And so 
I was the student ministry growing up, and so I actually had to borrow another church's student ministry on Wednesdays growing up in Minnesota. And so for the student at my deaf church who just made a decision to follow Christ, I made it my responsibility to get him plugged in. Mm -hmm. And so we went to a, a church, checked out the student ministry, and in that moment, I began to serve at that youth ministry. And this is why I say I kind of tripped in to student ministry, because I had no idea that I was going to eventually end up in student ministry. I thought I was going to be a pastor for deaf people. And so here I am serving in the student ministry and loving yeah. every minute of it. Wow. And so here I am with this crossroads decision. Do I stay with what I know and even am comfortable with, or do I take a leap into an area that I'm passionate about but hmm. is different? Yeah. And so thankfully I made the leap, and I don't regret it one bit. Yeah. So how did it come about where you started to work with Youth Alive and mm -hmm. you know this whole transition? Because that's, that's a little bit different, isn't it? It's immensely different. In a local church setting, you get to operate with a micro uh, view of the world instead of a kind of a macro view. As a youth pastor in a local church, you get to focus on your students and your community. You get mm -hmm. to work with your leadership team and yeah. serve your senior pastor. Uh, now transitioning to Youth Alive... That is kind of a macro view of a region. And so there are hundreds, if not thousands of churches now that I have to think about. Mm -hmm. And so making that leap from serving in a great community in Mayville to now serving on a regional setting yeah. was a massive step for us. And thankfully, uh, God has helped us transition into this new reality. And it's invigorating work. But it's definitely different. Yeah, I can imagine. Talk a little bit about the process. I mean, did you step into a paid role or, or how did that work? Thankfully, I wasn't hung out to dry as far as not knowing where my next paycheck was going to come from. But I have to raise my full budget. So every dollar that Youth Alive needs to operate, I had to go to churches and individuals and ask them to believe in this mission with me. And so nearly $6,000 a month of support, I had to trust God yeah. as I went out and looked for it. I am grateful that I wasn't necessarily wondering where my next paycheck was going to come from, but I was fully responsible to raise every dollar that I was going to spend mm -hmm. in this ministry. Thankfully, we were able to see that budget get raised, but that's a stretch because I, I don't like asking people for money. Right. Right? Um, I don't think anybody really does. Most guys wouldn't. There's just something about um, humbling yourself and saying, I can't do this if you don't – or if people like you don't help me. Mm -hmm. And that's a great point of humiliation for all of us to arrive to. Mm -hmm. When we reach the end of our ability and have to trust that God is going to do something great with our limitations. Yeah. It's, it's a, a faith builder. I didn't like it when I was in the middle of it, but I'm thankful that we made it through. And uh, it's it's been a great journey in that sense. Yeah, and you've been into this now three years, and I know you've got a, an incredible story uh, just of faith, and not just in faith in the dollars, but uh, you, you had a moment where you were really tested. And we're going to talk more about Dan's story when we come back in the second half of our show. So keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio tonight. 
Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio, the second half of our show. Jeff, D.W., Todd, in studio with you tonight, our special guest, Dan Herod of Youth Alive on this show. If you missed the first half of the show, I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Actually, we podcast every single show. You can go back and listen anytime on the podcast. Check out HopeNet360.com. There's a link there to our iTunes page as well. All of our shows are at HopeNet360.com under the Radio and Topics tab there on our site. So make sure to stop and check it out. We're glad that you've joined us on the show tonight. And uh, we've been talking with Dan about what he's doing with Youth Alive and the mission of building bridges between the churches, public schools, really between the church and the community, I think. And Dan, we were talking a little bit in the break about how sometimes the church gets focused on the in, inner four walls, you yeah. know, where what people are coming in. And, and that's definitely important. You have to worry. You have to be concerned about those who walk through your doors first because Absolutely. they're the ones that are coming in. They're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. Mm-hmm. They're looking for guidance. And, uh, you know, we have the greatest hope of the world. So right. it's not necessarily going to church is going to save your life or change your life. Uh, I believe going to church can help you to, to accomplish those things right. and to see your life change. But there's also a, a sometimes a disconnect between the church and the local community. So right. you're going to want to go and check out the early half of the podcast and uh, listen more about what Youth Alive does. But I want to kind of transition a little bit. We did get a question in on my Facebook page, actually, uh, from a young man named Travis. And I know he's a local youth pastor in this Green Bay area. And he's asking the question, what do you see in the next generation to be excited about? And what might the church of tomorrow look like? So, Dan, I'm going to kind of pitch that to you. Well, that's a great question, Travis. Thank you for asking that. Um, I am excited uh, when I look at this generation of students, when I see their level of passion. When you look at them, there's this innate sense of they want to change the world. Yeah. I mean, they really do. And it's they want to make their mark. And there may be some roots of vanity in there because we we like talking about changing the world. We like fame. Absolutely. And we all want our five minutes, right? We all want to be the next American idol. But with that said, I get pumped because what God can do with a student that wants to change the world will, will blow us all away. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And if youth ministries can speak to that part of a student's heart, because that's really part of the gospel. You're going to change the world when someone gets introduced to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When this resurrection power meets a life of a student, holy buckets. I mean, yeah. it's awesome. So that's what I get excited about when I look at this generation of students. Uh, look at all this potential there. Yeah. And now it behooves us as people in youth ministry to speak to that and to connect the dots for a student. Because... Mm-hmm. God wants to change the world through them. And so what can we do as youth pastors and youth ministers to help them change this world yeah. for God's glory? I'm sure you've experienced that life change in your own life. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So you you can't speak from something you never experienced. And, and, you know, tonight, that's another part of our show. And I want to mention that before we get into more of Dan's story and uh, more of a personal uh, faith story, faith journey. Uh, But you can chat with a live coach anytime on the show. If you're going through something or you're just needing something that's different, that maybe things have not been working out for you lately and you're just struggling to get by and and maybe you feel like you're just surviving, chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com and get connected. I think that's one of the greatest places to start the conversation, especially if you don't know who to turn to tonight. So that's always available 24-7. You can talk with a live coach anytime. Uh, Dan, I got I to gotta say, personally, I've seen you go through some really difficult times. And we talked about faith you know, early on where you transitioned from a paid church ministry position. And there is a, an element of faith that goes into when you have to do some support raising and yeah. go for a dream that you're not totally sure you see the end result yet. Uh, there's a lot of faith that goes into that. But I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your life. And th- I think there was a point a couple of years ago to share a little bit about some things that happened in your family that really did challenge your faith in a way you never expected. Absolutely. Um, my wife and I have three incredible kids. After our son was born, uh, he's six now, we encountered the pain of miscarriage mm. and had two consecutive miscarriages after our son was born. And that really messes with you mm-hmm. because... Um, you have dreams for that little baby, even though they may be the size of a peanut. You've got names that you're thinking about, and you and your wife are placing bets on the gender, and yeah. you're thinking about how what's the nursery going to look like, and where are you going to take this child, um, and how how are they going to look, and all of these amazing things. And so when a miscarriage happens especially from a Christian perspective on when life really begins, mm-hmm. um, it, it really is a loss. And so we experienced two very painful moments uh, with two miscarriages back to back, and God answered our prayers, and he really uh, did something amazing in our lives when our middle daughter, Peyton, was born. On October 23rd, 2010, she arrived into the world and I swear I heard Scott Stapp from Creed in the background singing Arms Wide Open, you know, strumming the guitar yes. and doing the deep knee bends and all of that. I saw it in my mind and I did what every self-respecting father would do in that moment and I bawled like a baby because yeah. those moments are beautiful and I couldn't contain it. It just was it was overwhelming and so when I saw Peyton for the first time, I fell in love and... Uh, Again, began to invest in land and guns and shovels and all of that stuff. And um, picturing myself wearing an orange prison jumpsuit and seeing what that might look like. And so so now we fast forward as Peyton is uh, – she turns a year old and starting to walk. And uh, then we experienced something that really shocked us. On the morning of uh, November 30th of 2011, um, I woke up and uh, – Got up with Peyton before I went into work to the office, and uh, you know we shared a banana. It was a connecting point that we had that morning, and then I headed off to work. And that day, uh, Marlena brought Peyton to the doctor. Just a well-child visit that mm-hmm. should have proven to be unexciting. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Marlena goes there. She brings Peyton to the doctor's office, and... Um, 
Peyton kind of was starting to walk at that point, so she toddles across the exam room floor and kind of falls into the pediatrician's arms. Mm-hmm. And uh, her doctor looked her over head to toe and with confidence and seriousness said, your daughter's perfect. And so Marlena gives me a call after the uh, appointment, says, Peyton's perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, sweet. And she said, Peyton's getting cranky. <laughs> she needs a nap. So I uh, get home a little early that night because I was going to go speak at a student ministry. And so leave work a little bit early, spend some time with the family before I head out to be gone that entire night. And uh, so I leave just uh, f- about five minutes before five to get to where I needed to go. Peyton had been napping this entire time. About five minutes from home, I get a call from Marlena that I changed my life. And in that moment, her words gripped me. The panic in her voice set me in panic. And I turned the vehicle around. And I broke a lot of laws getting back home. And so I uh, get into the driveway. The tires screech to a halt. I run through the garage, through the kitchen, down the hall, and stop and take a right into the nursery where Peyton was sleeping. And to my horror, see my daughter's lifeless body on the floor and see my incredible wife um, giving her very best as she's trying to give CPR, listening to the 911 operator coach her through such an unbelievable moment. So the paramedics arrive. They do their very best. And um, that night, uh, Marlene and I sat in an ER room holding our little girl, knowing that she was gone. And the sheer pain of that moment is still to this day fresh in my mind. And so as we sat there looking at this beautiful girl who was no longer there, it felt like a nuclear bomb had gone off in our lives. Yeah. You know, nobody ever prepares you for that moment. And, uh, you know, for those who serve God, you know, those are just things that just never, never cross your mind. I can only imagine not only the grief, but just the the questions that Mm -hmm. come up. You know, there's all these different questions that just roll through your mind. You know, for anyone that's listening tonight who's lost a child, there's nothing that can match that pain. I've never experienced it. But at the same time, there are many who have and who have walked through those waters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we are going to take a break here on the show. Uh, I don't want to leave it in a, in a low point, but I want you to, to stay tuned in. I know it, it can be hard. I'm just thinking about my two kids. And um, sometimes we just take those moments for granted. But I guarantee you there's a bright side of the story. So we're going to take a break here on the show. Make sure to keep it locked in here on Hobnet Radio tonight. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio tonight. Jeff, DW, Todd in studio. We're glad you've joined us on the show. Our special guest, Dan Harrod from Youth Alive. And Dan, as we wrapped up that, just the last part of our conversation here, it's a moment that you just, you never prepared for as a parent. 
It's a moment that you're never prepared for as a Christian. Sometimes we think that being a Christian means that life is just going to get X times better. You know, right. that yeah. we're, we're not going to experience such pain or such, you know, turmoil in our life, that things will naturally just become good when we become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And your story is completely the opposite of that. Losing your second child, well, I mean, technically this would be your fourth. Yeah. She was in your life, you know, you saw smiles, you saw just life come from her, a beautiful joy, a part of your day, a part of your life. In an instant, that all changed. Yeah. You know, the, it, I would love for you to talk about what the last two and a half years have been like. What What have you learned? What What things do you cling to? Is there a word that comes to mind that uh, reminds you of that time? Hard. Nothing can prepare you for immense loss. Even our two miscarriages paled in comparison to the loss of someone that you held to the reality of having someone who said your name and you got to look in the eyes and you've got pictures with and incredible memories with. So we've embraced a pretty weak version of Christianity in America. And what I mean by that is we want the the crown but not the cross. We want all the glory but not the suffering. And you cannot separate the two. Hmm. It's impossible. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus tells us that we're going to have problems. He's being a great leader in that moment. And hmm. he says, brace yourself. In this life, you're going to have troubles. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And when we can embrace that, the good and the bad, not being selective in what we feel God should and should not allow in our lives, our lives are completely in his hands. I still don't believe to this day that this was God's plan for us. I've had some very well-intentioned people mm-hmm. say really, um, I'm just going to say it, they're gonna, they've said really stupid things to us in the past two and a half years. Um, one of them being, well, God must have needed another angel. Hmm. Which, number one, theologically, that's not even accurate. We don't become angels when we translate to the other side of eternity. We have glorified bodies, mm-hmm. which are different than angels' bodies. So on the theological level, it's off, but then it's just offensive to think, well, God at any moment is just going to pluck people for his pleasure yeah. from the planet, and I haven't found him to be that God. Now, with that said, he did allow this to happen, yeah. and I've got to reconcile that still. However, in the midst of that, he's still been faithful. He's been with us even when we haven't felt him. I'm thankful for that. I mean, two very real game changers for us as we've grieved for the past two and a half years is the presence of God, which is an X factor, but then also just the people that have surrounded us. Mm -hmm. I've got a great friend that has spent hours on the phone with me just on this topic alone, on the phone, having no answers for me, just knowing enough to listen. Mm listening to me rage against this unfair tragedy without the presence of Christ and the reality of incredible people 
these conversations that HopeNet 360 is all about. Without those, we would be very different people in a very different place. Yeah. And people have come to Marlena and I and said, you are so strong. And I just want to say time out. Can we land on earth right now? Can we, can we look at reality? Because I am not a strong person. I am standing and my wife is standing and we're still standing today by the grace of God. We haven't been able to walk some days, mm-hmm. but he's carried us. So you don't think you have to be a super spiritual person, somebody extremely gifted by God to go through these tragic moments? I don't consider myself a strong person. I consider myself a pretty average person who, by the grace of God, is still standing today. I know what it's like to go to sleep and not want to wake up. I understand completely why people turn to narcotics and alcohol to medicate their pain. Now, thankfully, I knew enough to avoid those pitfalls and haven't taken a single sip of alcohol and haven't done one illegal drug in the past two and a half years. But I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say that to say God's faithful, and he has literally sustained us as we've just done our best to trust him. So I have a question because you were in ministry when um, this tragedy happened. How did you work through that and stay in ministry, and what did God um, teach you through it? I think uh, my initial focus was merely on surviving at first. Mm -hmm. I was thankful to have a great uh, group of leaders above me who I served that understood the, the sheer weight of the tragedy, and they gave me time to begin to process this. So my first focus um, was just getting up every day mm-hmm. because grief is a beast. It's like someone dropping a car on your back and you being face down between you and the earth. And you can't see anything but darkness. And over time, you begin to transition to your knees and your elbows, but the car is still there. And over time, you begin to get to your knees and go vertical in position, but the car is still there. And then over time, you begin to stand but the car is still there. And then you begin to walk, but the car is still on your back. I think in America, we're so uncomfortable with death. We're very linear. We have this pressure on us to just get over it, get over loss, get over your pain, just quit making us uncomfortable, just deal with it and move on. Yeah, give me some medication and and we'll move along. Absolutely, and that's just false. It's so wrong. It's not even healthy. I refuse to get over Peyton's passing. I'll never get over it. Why Why would I get over it? That minimizes her life yeah. and subtracts the immense value that she has. I will carry it, though, and that's all I can do. Yeah. So as I think about how do we move forward, first focus was just surviving. Having incredible friends and family, those conversations were immense. And then as I began to think about ministry, um, my view of God changed radically in that moment. Because that's what tragedy does. It vets your view of God. Mm. 
Is he the Santa Claus that doles out blessings and indulgences from on high, and you'll never stub your toe on the corner of the bed? Because if that's your view of God, you're going to have a rude awakening when life happens to you. So I'm thankful again for the leadership that I'm serving right now because they gave me room to process this. And still to this day, are real friends. Mm -hmm. And so as it relates to ministry, I'm walking with a limp now. And I'm going to forever walk with a limp. And what I found, as Marlene and I do our best to just walk, is that people actually connect more with our tragedy than anything else because we all have it. Mm-hmm. We've all experienced loss in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I would guess that's why you'd actually want to sit down and talk about this tonight you know, because most people, if they're in that surviving mode, you're just surviving why why relive it you know why why go back to that moment absolutely and uh what tremendous courage you know i think there's courage in that because it's not easy and mm. it's never going to be easy and i like what you said moving from being a survivor to being an overcomer mm-hmm. and the difference in that and I, I really want to unpack that a little bit more as we wrap up the show tonight because i think that's a very key spot for some people who are listening tonight who are just in that just feeling like they're just there to survive and get through today. Right on. And uh, so we're going to continue this story and kind of wrap up a little bit of our time with Dan when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Todd, you guys know. You know the routine. As we wrap up the show, remember you can always catch these shows on the podcast later on. Visit HopeNet360.com for all of our past shows and episodes. And we've had some incredible guests. And tonight I think is one of those, again, incredible guests that we've had the privilege to have on the show with us tonight. Dan Harrod from Youth Alive, Wisconsin, Northern Michigan. And, uh... Dan, I don't know how to really say it other than I just I think you're one of the most courageous guys I know. And uh, Todd, you you had some thoughts on courage. Explain a little bit about what courage is to you. Well, when I was listening uh, to Dan's story, I was thinking, or just the phrase came to mind that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the ability to overcome it. And I know I was thinking of what he was saying about carrying the cross and um, I'm thinking in myself, you know, <laughs> I'm not even weak. I need Christ to carry anything in my life. And um, I just wanted you to expound a little bit and share how God helped you overcome it. And then kind of through it, you didn't just survive, but you overcame. Even though now you are still carrying it, how can you thrive and not just survive? That's a great question, Todd. Um, a tremendous lesson that I've learned just even in the past year is understanding uh, what my identity really is because an unintended uh, choice that some people make on this side of tragedy is if they're not careful, if I'm not careful, I can allow my tragedy to become my identity. And when you're in that survival mode, which is where I've been for a good portion of the two and a half years, it makes complete sense 
because the pain is so real and the loss is so unbelievable that you can barely think about anything else. What I felt God speak to me just in the past year was something very simple and along the lines of, I'm not meant to survive forever. In Christ, I can be an overcomer. Mm -hmm. A survivor lives looking in the rearview mirror, being tied to an event or tragedy that's happened. But an overcomer lives in the present and future. And as I carry Peyton's passing forward, in Christ I am understanding more that I'm an overcomer because of the cross, Mm -hmm. because Christ conquered death, Not only is my little girl in heaven now, and we will be reunited, but right here on earth, through Christ's power in me, I can overcome not only this unbelievable loss of life of my beautiful little girl, but every day, this is my new identity in Christ. And thankfully, I'm I'm understanding more that I'm not a survivor. Uh, I'm an overcomer. To anyone that's listening right now that you know you're in survival mode, I want to encourage you. You won't have to survive forever. Journey forward. Have the conversations with the people you trust and know that God wants to bring you to a place where the tragedy is not your identity Mm -hmm. and that in Christ you really are and can be an overcomer. And, you know, you talked about your family. I mean, you've got... Six-year-old boy Logan. Yeah. Obviously, you love you love your wife. Sometimes these these things can really bring an end in you know a marriage relationship too. And I know there's those tensions as well. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but also you know you you also had another piece of joy come into your life not too long ago. Yeah, we welcomed Camden Joy. She's now eight months. And when she's sitting in a diaper, her little fat bunches up, and it reminds me of the Michelin Man <laughs> as it rolls down her leg, and I couldn't love it anymore. Um, she's starting to grow into her cheeks. They no longer stick out past her lips. Nice. And um, she really is a joy. I think about all the nights that I wanted to quit life. Mm-hmm. I never planned on taking my life, but I mentioned earlier that I know what it's like to not want to live anymore and would have been okay if I didn't wake up the next day. And I'm so glad that I woke up the next day and the day after and the day after, because had I chosen to fold, quit or end my life, I wouldn't have experienced this new joy, which is a credit to God's faithfulness. Right. And to anyone that is right now struggling to see past the pain, please keep going. Please choose to wake up another day because God promises that he will use all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. If you're in Christ, you obviously love him and you've been called. So trust the promise in the midst of the pain. And it's not easy, but know that God is a master at taking ugly things and creating beauty through them. Wow, well said. You know, sometimes us us Christians think we can just sugarcoat things and talk about things that we have no experience in. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is you can share your deepest pain and see somebody's life, you know, just see that light bulb go on someone's head and say, I've 
I've been there. Mm. I, I've had that loss. And it doesn't make that it do, again. It doesn't make that event, that moment, any less. It doesn't make it any uh, less painful. Right. But the reality is, is in a way, it's prepared you for a level of sharing hope with somebody that very well never could have related to. Mm. And uh, I think that's probably part of why you'd actually want to come on and, and share this story tonight. Is that it, it's not about trying to diminish the pain or make the pain any less. We, we talked during the break a little bit about how sharing the story helps that grief process. Sure does. You know, not only that, but it, hopefully it's going to reach somebody who is also at that point, mm-hmm. feeling like that car is on their back and they're laying flat face down yeah. with no purpose and no sense of moving forward in their life. Right. And uh, I, I love what you said about that. It's It doesn't have to be in survival mode forever. Exactly. It's not going to be this painful forever. You'll always remember it. Mm-hmm. But there is still hope for tomorrow. There's hope that things are going to change, that they're going to get better. Yeah. And that you found and I found in my own life in, in times where I felt loss or uncertain points in my life, God is faithful. Yeah. And even you talk about losing, you know, two children in the womb. Yeah. I mean, to, to actually attempt again. Yeah. You know, just just that. And we could go on and talk for hours, I'm sure. And many of you are probably just beaming with all these questions and, and all that. So make sure to email us your questions to hope at hopenet360.com and go to hopenet360 on Facebook or on Twitter and message us there. And, and we'll pass those questions along to Dan and have him get back to you on some of those things. Because, again, when you talk about grief, you talk about loss, you talk about things that shouldn't happen in life and yet God allows them to. Wow. All the questions that come in there, it's like, how do you trust God again? How do you how do you even stay in ministry? I mean, not only trusting God, but all that. So, you know, we could we could sit and talk for hours, but I do want to hear more about how people can get involved with your ministry. Right. And uh, if there are people who work with youth or in the school system, what information can they find about you? I would encourage you to visit our website, and that's uh, youthalivewinm.com. Again, that's youth alive, W I nm.com and on that website you'll see a ton of information about what we do more information about our school assembly programs and my personal contact information i would love to hear from you if you have any questions if you're interested in bringing in a school assembly we can make that happen and even this school year so talk to me and we can begin uh, helping you build a bridge because students at the end of the day are what's the most important in all of this. Yeah. And how many schools have you been to in the last three years or so? Yeah, we've <laughs> been able to serve at least 60 schools. If not more, I would need to, when I give a number, I want it to be right. Sure, but it's not like you've done one. Right. You know, and, well, and what kind of feedback have you gotten from? We've had incredible feedback from schools. Uh, and one number I want to highlight is uh, just in the past three years, we've we've served over 53,000 students. Hmm. With our school assembly program. That's incredible. At the end of every program, students are making their way out of the bleachers or out of the auditorium seats to our speakers, whoever's speaking that day, and thanking them. And then invariably, the principal or teachers approach our communicators, some of them with tears in their eyes, because the content is powerful, the delivery is dynamic, and the change is it's tangible. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we've had tremendous opportunity, and my hope is 
that we would continue to grow and be able to serve more communities with this program. Yeah, so once again, his website, Dan's website, will be posted at hopenet360.com. Under the Radio and Topics tab, you can click our night's post and find information on that. Again, their website, youthaliveWinm.com. And that's where you can find information on Dan, on Youth Alive, the school assemblies, the Alive assemblies. Dan can also set you straight on what those are and how you can get these assemblies in your community. We'd love to see that. So uh, for all of us on the show, for Dave, Todd, Jeff, for Dan, thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight. We'll see you guys online and next week.